Hello and welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is a place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Fraser McCursey, co-manager of the Unicorn UK Ethical Income Fund. Fraser is also co-manager of the Acorn Income Fund and lead manager of Unicorn UK Growth. He joined Unicorn in 2008, having previously held positions with FNC Asset Management and Geegan and Co Chartered Accountants. He graduated from the University of, University of St Andrews in 2003 with a degree in Economics and Management and is also a Fellow of the Association of Chartered Certified Accountants. So the Unicorn uh, UK Ethical Income Fund, perhaps you could first of all just kick us off by talking us through the objectives and the strategy of the fund. Sure. So it's a, a UK focused income fund. So the primary driver for us is is generating a good quality income stream for our investors. Um, it's a high conviction fund. So we currently have 36 holdings. Um, and unlike a lot of other income funds out there, we do tend to focus further down the market cap scale for, for ideas. And you know the benefits of that are, are plentiful. Um, we think there are some excellent companies in the UK and in the small and mid cap space. And there's some great mispriced opportunities as you know and, and as experts in in the small and mid cap space we feel we're, we're very well placed to, to to find those opportunities those mispriced opportunities um in terms of the the ethical approach that we take you know this is based on a, a very successful um fund that we launched a number of years ago the unicorn uk income fund in 2016 we decided to to launch an ethical version of that fund with with additional limits and screens that, that go into that. So so what we do is, is take the income fund and we reduce it down to a, a slightly smaller list um, dependent on the screens that, that we have in place. Okay, so so in terms of um, the ethical income fund itself, what are the sort of sector weightings where you're tending to be uh, tending to be looking and, and held within the fund? Yeah, so we're generalists and we'll, we'll look in any area I think it's worth noting that's part of the core process, and this goes across all the, the funds at Unicorn. There are a number of sectors that we, we choose not to invest in. So there's no oil and gas, there's no mining, no big pharma, um, which if you you know you look at the UK market, no tobacco stocks, these are big sections of the of the market that we're taking out. So then I guess you've got to, to look at what's left over um, and, and we'll look at all of those sectors. And then you've also got to look at what we're, we're good at in the UK. And, and you know, we think we're, we're very good in financial services. We're very good in, in engineering. Um, so there's, you know, and that is reflected, I guess, in, in the portfolio construction and the portfolio weighting. So we've, traditionally, we've had a, a decent exposure to financial services. Um, the engineering weighting has, has been fairly strong. We have a, a good weighting in um, real estate investment trusts as well, um, with a, a good selection of, of fairly diverse companies within that space. And then probably the next largest is, is construction and materials. And again, a, a good diverse range of high quality businesses within that sector. So what are these sort of things that you're looking for in, in specific tops, uh, specific stocks, be that quality, value, dividends? Yeah, we're we're really looking for a, a combination. You know, we we invest in profitable, cash generative, well capitalized companies um, that we think have the ability to pay a dividend to shareholders that's meaningful, but also retain sufficient capital in the business to continue to to grow and invest. And and they're the characteristics that we're looking for. We're also you know looking for market leaders within an individual field. So admittedly, it might be be quite an, a niche field that they operate in, but we want to back the best within that that field. And I think. 
you know, in, in current market conditions, it's important as ever to, to be backing the best, the market leader. Um, and, and, and that's something that you'll see time and time again when you look through the portfolio, clear market leaders backed by, by really sound um, financials with, with low levels of debt. So with that in mind, perhaps you could um, talk us through some of your top holdings or positions at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours um, about this portfolio, um, but I won't do that in the interest of time. Um, so at some of our larger holdings, we have a company called Telecom Plus. That's our second largest, maybe better known to people as, as Utility Warehouse. So this is topical at the moment. Um, and Utility Warehouse, pull together all your domestic services, whether that's gas, electricity, broadband, phone, package it up in one tidy bill and um, and, and sell that to customers. They score very high with, um, with which it's a good service. Um, that's one of the largest holdings at the moment. It's obviously from our side, from a predictability of, of um, dividends, it, it's strong because it has utility-like characteristics. But actually, we also feel that when you look over the longer term, the, the growth opportunities are also so fairly significant. So that's that's one of the larger holdings that we have. Um, another interesting one is is Marshalls. So a holding we've held for for a number of years in in the income fund and since inception of this fund. You may recognise Marshalls trucks. Um, from from the motorways and pallets from city centres, they are the, the biggest and best um, producer manufacturer of block paving in the UK. Have a very very strong market position, whether that be your driveway at home or or your you know your city centre um, paved areas. There's a good chance Marshalls are involved in that, and and they are the biggest. They're the best. They continue to innovate. Um, they continue to to we think get get stronger and stronger. And, uh, and from the ethical side as well, and, and from the, the additional ESG screens that we, we run on the portfolio, they, they come up extremely well as well. Very forward thinking in, in that respect. So a great, great business, a great British business. And you mentioned your exposure earlier to uh, the financials, presumably within your top holdings, there's a, a smattering of financial stocks as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. There are, you know, Bruin Dolphin um, is in the top 10 holdings. So again, you know, I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with Bruin Dolphin. That's a long-term holding for us. Um, Sabre Insurance, a car insurance business also in the top 10 as well. So so yes, there are Polar Capital as well. So there's there's quite a few financials in that, in that top 10 as well. Um, so, I mean, obviously we've been through quite an extraordinary 18 months or so. Um, how have you found that the fund has coped um, before, during, and since uh, the uh, machinations of last March or thereabouts. Yeah, it's been a very, very interesting period to be involved in the markets and especially running income funds, which which we do here. So, you know, if you're looking at the income side of things, first of all, I think we saw some some big dividend cuts and pauses in the, the early part of last year. You know, faced with such uncertainty in March, um, companies took the prudent view, even if they could afford to continue to pay dividends, to pause until they had a clearer picture of how the pandemic was, was going to play out and the impact on their business. So in the first half, we saw, you know, some some pretty big dividend cuts or, or pauses. What we saw in the second half was a really, really strong recovery. So when there was a bit more clarity about how the world was going to operate and the impact this would have on, on certain sectors, certain companies, we saw a sharp bounce back in, in dividend payments. And that's continued into this year. So actually, overall, we, we're really kind of pleased with the resilient performance from a, a dividend perspective. And, and what our observation there is that the majority of, of cuts or pauses that we saw in, in the early part of last year were, were very temporary in nature and dividends have come back very strongly since. So from an income perspective, we feel we're in a good good position and recovered strongly in the second half and then that's continued into to this year 
Um, from a capital perspective, again, small and mid caps were were hit as part of the initial sell-off, as as was the, the the kind of broader market. Again, we've been pleased with the way that the portfolio has recovered from a, a capital perspective. Um, and you know, we we look forward now with with optimism. We, we've been through a, a challenge that no one has ever faced in in equity markets. We're pleased with the resilience of the portfolio. Pleased with the way that we've we've come through that. And we also look forward with optimism. You know, I think it's fair to say that. You know, good companies will come out of this in an even stronger position on the other side. Whether it's the you know they're more efficient in the way that they operate, or whether their market position has strengthened as other competitors struggle to cope with the challenges. You know, we think good companies will long term come out of this in a, in a stronger position probably than they went in. And I think our our focus you know consistently on low levels of debt and sensible management teams, strong business models, market leaders. I think stood us in good stead during a, a pretty extreme test last year. So it sounds from what you're saying as though you pretty much uh, ran with the holdings you had. Did the market drops give you any opportunities to perhaps uh, rebalance or rejig the portfolio at all? Yeah, you know, opportunities do arise. These periods are horrible to go through day to day. It's not not much fun for anyone. And I think my wife can probably testify to that. Um, but yeah, they you know they do present some great opportunities if you're able to take a long-term view, and, and we do. You know, our average holding period in the income fund is, is six years. We have the ability to take a long-term view, and, and clearly there was some short uh, moves in share prices that created excellent opportunities for the long term. It's worth saying, you know, there were, were one or two holdings that we did um, exit um, during March last year. Um, I think we looked at it in two ways. We, we kind of tried to understand whether there was a potential long-term impact on the sector or the company that, that we invested in as a result of the pandemic, so, you know, a permanent change in, in, in the attractiveness of that business, or if the level with debt was, was uncomfortable faced with so much uncertainty. So in a, a small number of holdings, we did take action um, to, to exit in, in kind of March and April last year. On the flip side, I think we were able to, to add some new positions that have, have contributed in that recovery. And I think we've also been able to top up some long-term positions as well that we felt were, were oversold. It's interesting that you mentioned small caps because, of course, traditionally these are uh, businesses, I'm thinking particularly on AIM, for example, which tend to um, entirely reinvest their profits as the business is growing as opposed uh, to paying uh, you know, out shareholder returns. Does, does that add a, an extra level of difficulty for you? I think it does. I think one thing we look to establish with our companies is their kind of capital allocation policy and, and the requirements of a business to, to continue to fund that growth. So the last thing we want them to do is, you know, be be beholden to a, a, a dividend policy which is unsustainable and, and the business gradually deteriorates over time. That's not what we want. I think we feel in the small cap space that good, well-managed companies have the ability and, and the opportunity to, to kind of get that balance right by returning um, some cash to shareholders in the form of dividends, but also funding the future growth. And it's all about striking the, that balance right, I think. So what, what, to pull all that together, Fraser, what, what's your outlook from here and how are you positioned? Yeah, we're upbeat. You know, the, the portfolio, I think, is is fairly domestically focused, which we are, we're happy with. Um, you know, valuations in the UK have, have, have drifted compared to international peers, it's fair to say, since the middle of 2016. And and we do have a bit more clarity around a number of areas. So I, I think that, that discount is, is unwarranted. So there are clearly opportunities in, in the UK market when you kind of step back. Um, 
we think the companies are in, in good health. As I said, they've come through a really extreme challenge, I think, in, in good shape. And and probably over the longer term, we'll, we'll be in even stronger positions going forward as well. And, and we haven't really seen the benefits of that yet, but that's probably just our, our observations as well. So this combination of quite attractive valuations relative to the rest of the world and a you know, a, a portfolio of companies that we feel will be on on the front foot is a is a strong combination. And then when you combine that with the the strong dividend payments as well, I think I think it's a you know it's, a, it's quite an exciting time to be investing in in UK small and mid caps. And of course, at the moment we're we're talking on this particular fund uh, with uh, an emphasis on the ethical. Uh, obviously, all things ESG extremely popular at the moment and, and gaining more and more attention. Do you think? Further down the line, we might get to a situation where companies just don't have to mention ESG. It, it will be taken as red and and that will potentially throw a question mark over ethical funds needed, needed to be almost listed separately, if you like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the adoption of ESG is, is, is really great to see across the market cap spectrum. And I think, you know, you've seen the larger companies probably adopt it first. It's taken time for some of the smaller companies Um not not to kind of undertake initiatives, but just to report on what they're doing in a, in a way that's clear for investors. And I think that that will take time. It's something we encourage our investee companies to do. Um, I think there's a it's kind of well known at the moment that the larger company almost the better the ESG rating, and and that's not down to what the, the companies are actually doing. It's just to, in in terms of how they're reporting and, and telling people about all the good work that they do. Um, so we think it's a positive move. ESG going going mainstream is is good. Um, you know, we, we firmly believe that companies that are run responsibly will also generate better returns for, for shareholders. Um, and, and I think that can only be a positive for, for investors over the longer term as well. That's terrific. Um, unfortunately, that's, that's all we've got time for. So many thanks again for your time, Fraser, and for those valuable insights. That's Fraser McCursey, uh, co-manager of the Unicorn UK Ethical Income Fund. And thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And of course, you can find much more, by the way, of investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back next Tuesday with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now. <laughs>